0: is page 324 in this particular version of the book. Um, We did kind of quietly skip the last two three pages of the previous chapter which I hope you will study and read on your own. We felt We, we stayed on that subject long enough. Time to move on. And this um, chapter begins with a conversation between Yogananda and his guru, Sri Yukteswarji. Master, did you ever meet Babaji? It was a calm summer night in Serampore. The large stars of the tropics gleamed over our heads as I sat by Sri Yukteswar's side on the second-story balcony of the hermitage. Yes, Master smiled at my direct question. His eyes lit with reverence three times i have been blessed by the sight of the deathless guru our first meeting was in Allahabad at a Kumbh Mela i love here just with this moment this little uh, added detail his eyes lit with reverence you know every time i remember swamiji every time he would mention my guru or if he was talking to even anybody, there's a fun story of somebody who was in a bookstore while Swamiji was in the bookstore as well and Swamiji sees this man go for an autobiography of a yogi and Swamiji in his 80s comes running over and is like that's my guru, you know, I lived with him and that's it, you know, to a complete stranger, but just the moment it comes to my guru, you know, who he was any little moment, a memory just the eyes lit with reverence. And this is something we should also pay attention to when we speak of them to one another. Mm-hmm. When we speak of them to even strangers. Let them feel what the power that these masters mean in our lives. Let it shine forth through our eyes. Swami Sri Yukteswar, right there, you can just see suddenly his eyes lit with reverence. Just the very thought that I have met Babaji Completely changed whatever that moment was for them. The religious fairs held in India since time immemorial are known as Kumbha Melas. They have kept spiritual goals in constant sight of the multitude. I hope this is still the <laughs> purpose they fulfill, but that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? These Melas, these Maha Melas, and their purpose is to keep spiritual goals in the constant sight of the multitudes devout hindus gather by the millions every six years to meet thousands of sadhus yogis swamis and ascetics of all kinds many are hermits who have never who never leave their secluded haunts except to attend the melas and bestow their blessings on the worldly men and women I was not a swami at the time I met Baba Ji. Shri Yukteswar went on. But I had already received Kriya initiation from Lahari Mahasaya. He encouraged me to attend the Mela, which was convening in January 1894 at Allahabad. Yoganandaji himself would have been one year old at this time. So sweet little baby somewhere in Calcutta while Sri Yukteswar, a younger man at the time, uh, attending the Kumbha Mela. At that moment, neither of the two knew, or maybe they did know, not only maybe this definitely did, but in the part that they played, they were all just ignorant of each other's presence.
1: I like this line when Sri Yukteswar said, he encouraged me to attend the Kumbha Mela. I mean, Lahiri Mahashaya already knew that this could be the first encounter that Sri Yateshwar could have with Papaji. And he didn't make a big buzz <laughs> of it. He didn't say, you must go. I can tell you it's a secret, but listen to me, you must go. You know, he was like, encourage me. Like just, he dropped, you know, a, just a, a hint. And, and I think this is what the highest of discipleship uh, is expressed, and it should be expressed within each one of us. When we are able to perceive the hints, when we are able to see, it just like with a glimpse, you know, in the guru's eyes, you know, with with something so subtle that you don't need these I mean, this kind of, you know, like.
0: Declaration yeah, declarations.
1: Above. And I, I love this fact that just he encouraged me. He gave me the space to go or not go in, to fill it out. And that encouragement really led to this meeting. So you can get an idea also how Lahiri Mahashaya worked and communicated with his disciples just very subtly you know very few words and it was only encouraging to do this to do that but then it's up to you it's up to intuition up to sensibility to perceive what i'm trying to tell you behind this encouragement which is a very good quality to develop in each one of us in our daily lives, just to keep listening what my gurubha is saying, what is the kind of sign I'm receiving, what kind of chant I'm listening, is there any message for me? So that sensitivity required in each one of us.
0: It was my first experience at the Kumbh. I felt slightly dazed by the clamor and surge of the crowd. In my searching gazes around, I saw no illumined face of a master. Passing a bridge on the bank of the Ganges, I noticed an acquaintance standing nearby, his begging bowl extended. I found that very interesting. I'd never tuned into an acquaintance. Somebody Sri Yukteswarji knew right there in the Kumbh, begging. So that was, you know, that was a little detail that I had never tuned into. Oh, this fair is nothing but a chaos of noise and beggars, I thought in disillusionment. I wonder if Western scientists patiently enlarging the realms of knowledge for the practical good of mankind are not more pleasing to God than these idlers who profess religion but concentrate on arms. My smoldering reflections on social reform were interrupted by the voice of a tall sannyasi who halted before me. Sir, he said, a saint is calling you. I love that. Nice a saint same. is calling you. <laughs> you know, no other information. No Swami so-and-so is calling you or some maharaj is calling. A saint is calling you. Now you have to really tune into what's going to happen here. Is this true or is this not? Who is he? Come and see for yourself. Hesitantly following this laconic advice, I soon found myself near a tree whose branches were sheltering a guru with an attractive group of disciples.
1: I like that word attractive. Yeah, I, you know, I, I was, was thinking like, about <laughs> it. Me too. Like, I, like
0: very pretty looking yeah. and handsome looking or like energetically attractive. I was thinking and... <laughs> yeah,
1: like magnetic. Yeah. You know, and when you can recognize spiritual magnetism, that's attractive. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I think Master Yogananda and Swamiji try to do with, you know, the community movement. You know, when you bring together a group of people that are committed, that are dedicated, that love God, you know, that's magnetic. You just see them together serving, meditating, singing, you know, like sharing the teachings in whatever form, big or small, but that's magnetic. That's attractive. and I. I also stopped there like, wow, he, he could sense that. He could sense the magnetism. This group of people are different from the usual kind of spirituality I have seen before so far.
0: The master, a bright, unusual figure with sparkling dark eyes, rose at my approach and embraced me. Welcome, Swamiji, he said affectionately. Sir, I replied emphatically, I am not a Swami. Those on whom I am divinely directed to bestow the title of Swami never cast it off. The saint addressed me simply, but deep conviction of truth rang in his words. I was engulfed in an instant wave of spiritual blessing, smiling at my sudden elevation into the ancient monastic order I bowed at the feet of the obviously great an angelic being in human form who had thus honored me. Again very interesting that moment isn't it and Swami Sri Yukteswar really adjusts to this moment just perfectly. He realizes that this is not a mere title that somebody sometimes might address you as that. Oh, I'm, I'm just giving you some respect. I just feel that you're very spiritual. Therefore, you know, sometimes we use words like Swami, Saint, uh, you know, great soul a little bit more <laughs> casually. But Sri Yukteswarji tuned into that and he realized in that moment that he actually was suddenly initiated mm-hmm. and he became a Swami in that moment. And from that very moment onwards, even though later on, and it says here in the footnote, he did enter the Swami order more formally uh, by the Mahant of the Bodhgaya Monastery. But he adjusted and shifted in that moment to realize this something has turned for me here. An instant blessing has been given to me more than just, you know, bless you child for you are wonderful. That I have been elevated. Into something
1: and a direction as well for the future to Very come. True. And yeah. this is this is your direction, whether you are married or not. You have a daughter right now, because Sri Deswar had a daughter. Mm-hmm. Like, this is where you are heading. This is where you are going. I mean, Swamihood, no? Swamihood, Swamihood, Swamihood. <laughs> yeah.
0: Babaji, for it was indeed he, motioned me to a seat near him under the tree. He was strong and young and looked like Lahiri Mahashaya, yet the resemblance did not strike me, even though I had often heard of the extraordinary similarities in the appearance of the two masters. Babaji possesses a power by which he can prevent any specific thought from arising in a person's mind. Evidently, the great guru wished me to be perfectly natural in his presence, not overawed by the knowledge of his identity.
1: Mm, this is amazing. It's
0: a very beautiful one. Just in a chapter previous, or I don't know if it was just a cha- couple of chapters back, we hear the other side of it, where Babaji can place any thought in anybody's mind when he does that with um, uh, Lehri Mahasaya's boss in the accounting department, you know, like, send this guy to Rani Khet. Oh no, it was I who placed that thought in his mind and now we're talking about his ability to kind of not let a particular thought arise in anybody's mind and there are two aspects to it of course the second which is very sweet almost is that he wanted me to be very natural sometimes um, I don't know if it was on this trip but a group of us when we were at Babaji's cave which just talking about how we're easily swayed by just mass um, you know etiquette or what people think if I was talking about like if I were to dress in ochre and put on some nice big you know malas and tie my hair up in a bun and if two three people just come to me like very supplicatingly say hey, Maharajji and some if there are hundred people around all of them will probably come and think this is a sink or oh, this is somebody I have to now pretend to you know oh fall at his feet and we've got this idea that based on other people's understandings based on how they act suddenly we shift a lot of how we relate to spiritual people especially you know and here Babaji didn't want that at all even to be if he had realized it's Babaji suddenly maybe he would get nervous and excited and restless and wondering if he's doing it correctly should he sit like this in front of Babaji should he be on the floor should he you know all those little moments that of thought that run through our minds And then whatever needed to happen would not have been able to happen in that setting because Sri Yukteswarji, and we will see it in a um, story right after, where in fact that does happen. Mm.
1: I, I was thinking for each one of us who are disciples of this line of gurus or Babaji, I think it's very important to remember this, that Babaji can prevent specific thoughts from arising in our minds. Many times, I have found myself in a situation or in a conversation, and then later on, I have thought, I wished I could have said that, or I forgot to mention that point, or whatever that might be the case. And this last night somehow made a deeper impact That for all of us who are under Babaji's guidance, who are trying to transform ourselves, who are trying to help other people sincerely, we need to trust that many times Babaji is really, you know, preventing us from saying something that might not be beneficial for ourselves, for the person who is listening. Perhaps he's trying to, you know, redirect a specific karma that if we would have said that at that very moment could have been even worse. So let's start relaxing in the thought that sometimes... um, if we forgot to mention something maybe babaji was behind it and said you know better need, let me take that away because it's just not needed it is not needed for you it's not needed for the situation and this brought a very almost relaxing even deeper surrendering in the role that each one of us uh, have to play has to play have to, have to play as representatives of this line of gurus of your own guru as well trust that your guru really is guiding your thoughts more often than not
0: and this again also brings the whole point of having a guru physically present with yeah. you because his role is to kind of you know lay the spiritual path out for you word by word line mm-hmm. by line and again that they don't need that we don't need that if we can be attuned to them mm-hmm. Thoughts will be given. Thoughts will be taken. Whatever needs to happen can easily happen because they're not limited by time, space, body, no body, you know, whether they lived. It's not like Krishna can no longer continue to guide his devotees. It's not like Christ doesn't constantly guide his devotees. Mm -hmm. All these great masters, for them, what's important is that attunement that we build with them. And even then, even if we don't have that attunement, even then they can find ways to guide us. So, whew, thank God for that. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the Kumbha Mela? Uh, this, is a, this is not a good question to ask. I was greatly disappointed, so.
1: At least he was sincere and <laughs> yeah, truthful. Not like,
0: oh, this Mela is amazing. It's just so many saints. It's like wonderful. And I'm just feeling so many blessings right now. I was greatly disappointed, sir. I added hastily, up until the time I met you. (laughs) Somehow, saints and this commotion don't seem to belong together. Child, the master said, though apparently I was nearly twice his own age. That would have been an interesting... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For the faults of the many, judge not the whole Everything on earth is of mixed character like a mingling like a mingling of sand and sugar. Be like the wise ant which seizes only the sugar and leaves behind the sand untouched. Though many sadhus here still wander in delusion, yet the Mela is blessed by a few men of God realization. Mm What I find interesting in this whole kind of episode is that years ago, Lahiri Mahasaya was at the Kumbh Mela and he too had the same thought Oh, I don't know if these people are really spiritual these, you know, all these beggars and these people who are just faking it just here for the show and Babaji was there then as well and at that time he was washing the utensils of this sadhu and he says, you know, and then he talks about In this way, I'm trying to practice the one virtue most pleasing to God above all else, which is humility. And it's nice to see both Lahiri Mahasaya, Sri Yukteswarji, in these settings, having that thought of, you know, because when we're very committed to the spiritual path, sometimes we look at others who are also spiritually inclined and You know, there's always this little judgment in our mind, Uh, whether we like it or not. There's always this like, "Eh, yeah, but you know, I'm really, I'm really committed. I'm really doing this. You're just, you know, making it through somehow or also and this often happens in different paths. Yeah, but my path's really much better than yours, so on and so forth. And somewhere in there, uh, especially when we're trying to be in a space where we're overcoming all judgment we end up start building judgment about spirituality itself. What it is, what it should be like, you know, who's better, who's worse, who's higher, who's lower. We just, I don't know what it is with hierarchy and comparisons. And we just like them no matter where we are, whether we're at work or whether you're at the ashram or whether you're at the kumbh mela, where we should be just receiving. But somehow our mind just goes around and says, not spiritual, not spiritual, not good enough, not quite, all right, less than me, more than me, you know. And that's how we look at each person. And I... again, he's, sorry.
1: No, no, please finish. You know, mm.
0: making the same point he made to Sri Yukteswarji's guru all those years ago. And it must really be a big thing because obviously Lahiri Masha and Sri Yukteswarji aren't just like there and judging people you know, the role that they're playing. The fact that both did it, the fact that both did it in this really spiritual setting, they weren't like sitting at home and judging worldly people. You know, and in both times, Babaji had to come and redirect their thoughts. It must be a big part of the spiritual journey where I think a lot of us very easily fall into this trap. So, i i don't know just reading it a second time and just being struck by the the repetition of the exact same episode by another great master and just like wait yeah you know it's just so subtle but it's there and it's something i need to really be mindful of
1: yeah i was actually thinking about that i I think there are some certain levels of initiation into humility, Mm -hmm. that until you don't really get it, I mean, like, really get it, I think we are not able to evolve spiritually as much as we would like to. I was just right now thinking, like, it seems like every self-realized master is one of the greatest Lessons that he's trying to teach his disciples. I was thinking about the life of Jesus. Mm. Towards the very, very end of his life, he only had 12 disciples and he worked with them very personally, very closely, very precisely. But towards the end, he really gave them one of the greatest lessons, all of them as a group, when he decided as a act of humility to wash each one of their feet. I mean, they were like blown away, Master, how can not that, I mean, never ever, you cannot wash our feet. And Jesus said, yes, I have to teach you the greatest lessons of all, which is humility until you don't, de- and until you don't develop that, you won't be able to really share the essence Of what it means to love God, what it means to live up to these teachings, what it means to manifest these spiritual values that you will be talking to the multitude. I mean, what's going to happen with your ego when you start, you know, sharing bigger (laughs) platforms, you know, to communicate with other people? Humility must be there. And this was like, two, three days, perhaps a week before he passed away. So this lesson could be really impregnated in their consciousness. And we see now Babaji doing the same uh, to Sri uteshwar Lahiri Mahashaya had to go through the same. We need to go through the same. So it's, it's an important test uh, on the spiritual path, but the sooner we get it, I think the real progress will be made within each one of us: humility.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking when you said that because we keep you throwing these words around like ego transcendence, mm. you know, overcoming the ego. And we think of it as this, oh, in my meditations, then, you know, something's going to happen. And mm. and then we, uh, when we're out there, <laughs> the simplest of fact that could actually lead to ego transcendence completely instantly is that humility Uh, that we're unable to really bring forth but then we you know have these big words and these big concepts that we think one day we're going to really make it but this could be really a wonderful wonderful you know practical let me just start here what's going on the spiritual pride can be a very very Master talked about at the very end, even at Savikalpa Samadhi, he says, even at that moment where you've experienced the absolute unity with God, even from that moment, you can fall primarily because of spiritual pride. And many saints have fallen, he said, in that moment. Swami himself talks Mm -hmm. about a previous incarnation where he fell. And that spiritual pride, (laughs) weirdly, came between him and his wife he turned his wife away because he thought he didn't need her anymore. He was too evolved for her. And so his guru in that life, he said, said that you're not going to make it because of that one thing. So imagine these little things that we think, oh, wow, look, I'm so spiritual. I'm turning my wife away because, wow, I don't need this thing anymore. But just in that moment, that one thing, and that incarnation's over and you have to start all over again fortunately not all over but the mind doesn't remember these things you see you, you have to figure it out again like whoa, whoa what's going on and you have to bring yourself once again to that place and then see whether you're going to make that same decision again or not so these aren't like oh it's nice to be you know humility is such a sweet it's not that at all it's Humility is such a powerful mm-hmm. aspect of the spiritual life that must be taken as seriously as your everyday sadhana, mm-hmm. as seriously as you know your pranayama, your yoga yeah. practice, as seriously as anything else and sometimes even more so. Because that's subtler than just I'm sitting and I'm closing my eyes and I'm watching my breath and all those things. In view of my own meeting with this exalted master, I quickly agreed with his observation. Sir, I commented, I have been thinking of the scientific men of the West, greater by far in intelligence than most people congregated here, living in distant Europe and America, professing different creeds and ignorant of the real values of such melas as the present one. They are the men who could benefit greatly by meetings with Indian masters. But although high in intellectual attainments, many Westerners are wedded to rank materialism. Others, famous in science and philosophy, do not recognize the essential unity in religion. Their creeds serve as insurmountable barriers that threaten to separate them from us forever what a beautiful thought isn't it it wasn't here you see the shift first Sri Yukteswarji was like ah look at these people like I don't know isn't it better the other people because they're probably at least they're lifting up the society and they're making our lives more comfortable and they're really helping us in all these practical ways but now the shift is like how can we help them as well See this side of the world, of reality. How can we bring these two streams of thought together? This deep spiritual power, yet with this practical, efficient, outward lifestyle that lifts us higher and higher in our expression and in our manifestation of the divine. These two realities, how do I bring this together? One thing that Sri Yukteswar is kind of pondering upon because at the present rate science and religion are just separating more and more and more until it will become insurmountable a chasm between two. i saw that you are interested in the west as well as the east Babaji's face beamed with approval. So Babaji is obviously picking up everybody's thoughts wondering who is interested in the West here. (laughs) I felt the pangs of your heart broad enough for all men whether Oriental or Occidental. That is why I summoned you here. This I loved. Mm. I felt the pangs of your heart broad enough for all men. Not narrow, not contracted, not limited. How can I help only my family? How can I help only my society? How can I help only those I love? And how can I make them better than everybody else? Broad enough for all men. You know, we just have this weird... I mean, I think I also just subtly have it that Krishna is probably only interested in India. (laughs) You know, you just have this like idea that Ah, the moment we get to Pakistan, I don't think Krishna is interested, you know. Ah, no, not there. And similarly, when you watch like anything from America, for example, like, and Jesus wants these American values to live forth, and is like, Jesus is only interested in America or whichever city or whichever country. And we've just got this idea that God's very you know, interested only in us. And he probably doesn't care about anybody else but... And it's very subtle because if somebody were to ask you, you'd of course say, No, that's not true. God, of course, loves everyone, and you know, God. But somewhere in our hearts and minds, and in the way we interact with the world, we do somehow believe that, you know, He's just interested in this little border and He's drawn this line, and Krishna couldn't possibly think beyond that line, because we're the best and our way of life is what Krishna wants to preserve and what he's most interested in. And again, if we sit back, we know it's a preposterous thought, but our hearts, and this is the key element here, our hearts are not broad enough for all men. They're just not broad enough for all men. They're just very, very narrow. Our hearts are very limited. And that is why (laughs) Babaji isn't summoning us anytime soon. He's not like, ah, yeah, let me take that guy who only is interested in the six people in his life. Let me see how he can transform the world. So that's another aspect that actually goes perfectly in line with humility. Is that that's what happens when we're humble. Our hearts begin to expand and they start to include absolutely everybody. That is how humility leads to Expansion of self Again, we like these terms and these words and we want to always see them in these cosmic kind of expressions and then my consciousness will go and encompass the solar system and the galaxies and every star far away I will be on it as much as I am on planet Earth yet the person next to us we dislike with all the vehemence in our heart You know, yet our neighbor is like the most irritating individual in the world that somehow we've skipped and gone to Jupiter but we've passed our neighbor by in the process. Where is that open heart? Where will that expansion come from? And again and again, these are things we need to bring ourselves to because these are the things the Masters. They give you the techniques, they'll give you the teachings, they'll say now you have this to do and you can keep practicing and you can stay strong and it'll keep helping you and it'll stretch you and it'll open you but this is the question to ask ourselves how narrow is my heart who all do i hold in my heart where do i draw the line and then you will know if in your meditation you actually could expand beyond that because where you've drawn your the line in your heart is where Your consciousness draws the line in your meditation.
1: I was thinking about this paragraph that what drew Babaji to uh, Sri Yukteswar wasn't how spiritually evolved Sri Mm. Yukteswar was, for how many hours he meditated and practiced his Kriya, for how many things he was doing, you know what really drew Babaji to Sri Uuteshwar was his desire to help other people and to be used by a greater power to bring this together and and I was thinking there is a big difference between wanting to feel babaji's presence in your life and wanted wanting wanting to be used by babaji these are very two different concepts and the majority of us are only concentrated on How can I feel Babaji? How can I have him in my heart? How can I feel him in my meditations? But very few people are asking to be used by Babaji. And Babaji needs willing instruments to really bring the world together, to unite the world. And for many of us, it can be a good practice to ask ourselves what i what am i interested in whether is education whether is arts whether is i don't know business whether is music and do i want to be used by babaji to express that, to help society, to help the world the world, and, and ask Babaji to use you but you have to have a real sincere interest to want to help other people by that specific tool. So perhaps the time has come for each one of us to shift a little bit from how much can I feel Babaji in my meditations to how can I be used by Babaji. And, and I think also that can start uh, being like a point to see where we are and how we really want to participate in his mission. And when I mean participate, I mean giving back to him and cooperating with what he's trying to accomplish and that takes of course a big heart (laughs) and an attitude this takes a very particular specific attitude that needs to be developed in order to be one of his representatives and Sri Yukteswar seemed he had that attitude He had that desire, and right now, from this very moment, he had the humility to carry on what he was asked by Babaji.
0: I'm reminded of something that Swamiji said that Master talked about, that there are many things Babaji would like to see happen in this Mm. world, but due to lack of willing channels Mm. that he cannot manifest, which is very interesting because Babaji could pretty much snap his fingers and manifest Mm. anything he wanted but that's not the point of this all, that if there aren't willing instruments to create a certain change, a certain movement, a certain understanding, a certain upliftment, then Babaji says, fine, then we'll wait till that comes, till those people exist. Mm-hmm. And each time I heard that, I would be like, boy, <laughs> I wish I could be that willing instrument. But in so many ways, we're just not, aren't we? Because as Narayani said, With the point being here, our hearts aren't quite open yet to really being that instrument. So things won't happen and it's fine. Babaji doesn't mind because what's important is when that person is present, what is he going to become through it in becoming that instrument? East and West must establish a golden middle path of activity and spirituality combined India has much to learn from the West in material development in return India can teach the universal methods by which the West will be able to base its religious beliefs on the unshakable foundations of yogic science. Now this has happened in 1894 this conversation and we can already see today a hundred and you know some years later that so much of this has come true so much of globalization as we're calling it today but really a merging of these two streams of consciousness has happened we've received a lot in terms of practical material efficiency you go to the west now and yoga is practically a religion there you go to los angeles and there are more yoga studios there than in any city in india and you can see already people shifting in that direction but i think we can all add a little bit more, if at all possible. You, Swamiji, have a part to play in the coming harmonious exchange between Orient and Occident. Some years hence, I shall send you a disciple whom you can train for yoga dissemination in the West. The vibrations there of many spiritually seeking souls come flood-like to me. I perceive potential saints in America and Europe waiting to be awakened. Again, just Babaji's up there, you know, in India, as we'd like to very joyfully claim. But he's receiving it all from all corners of the universe, really. (laughs) He's feeling it all. Where is their need? Who needs what? What's going on? Who needs to be uplifted? Where do I need to send this saint? Who wants to help? (laughs) Who wants to help? Oh, there's Sri Yukteswarji. He wants to help. Chalo, kumbh chalo. You know, and then... And he's probably come and touched all of us in some way or the other and kept that thought away so we couldn't even recognize him. You know, there's always a nice (laughs) possibility to hope for. But... Imagine that. That's that's his job. I mean, if God gave him, he's like, this is earth. I need, you to, I need you to run this thing for me. I mean, that's a lot of stuff that he has to keep in mind. There's so many cross currents of thought, of consciousness, of flows. And in that, he's not even interested in the mud puddle itself, but of each individual soul. Just as... Krishna loved the Kauravas just as much as he loved the Pandavas. And so Babaji is interested in absolutely everybody. And it behooves us as disciples to start moving in that direction. To really start caring about absolutely everybody. Seeing how I can help anybody at any time. If if it's in my capacity to actually uplift them, not just... You know, I need to be there because... But if I could actually do something, would I, will I, am I?
1: I was thinking about the ways in which Babaji Christ and all these great ones work with each one of us. If they are really trying to bring light, harmony, joy, cooperation, brotherhood into the world, obviously... They are going to start identifying those who are already emanating that vibration in themselves so they can take over these souls and manifest, increase, multiply, you know, that vibration so they can indeed add to this world. So what that means to each one of us, well, that our vibration has to be high. Our level of joy has to be increased. Our attitude towards life, towards our responsibilities, towards our seva has to be refined. Our level of awareness has to be sharper. Our ability to communicate peacefully, lovingly, kindly, truthfully, all this add to each one of us so Babaji and these great ones can take over us and really use us as his instruments. So if we really want to participate, to cooperate with them, the responsibility, and the success or not for Babaji using you depends entirely on each one of us. And to make sure that our level of energy is always high, our antennas are always open, and our desire to help other people is always alive and renewed and the enthusiasm Has to be there. So if you are sincerely trying to attune yourself with one of the masters, with God, with the divine, if you want to start being, I mean, having a purposely meaningful life, uh, let's start by changing our level of energy and awareness and the kind of thoughts that we are projecting. Do you think Babaji would like to serve with you <laughs> hand by hand if you are always, you know, grumpy and judging and this and unwilling? And I'm talking about myself, too. I'm going through these days, too. You know, and of course he's not going to use me. That's he's why going to are stuck use with me
0: <laughs> <laughs> not Babaji instead.
1: So it's, it's, it's a serious thing. I mean, it's a serious thing because many of us uh, want... Freedom, and want also self-realization, and want to work with our ego, and this is the kind of work that needs to be done daily, every minute, every hour, and keep double checking: where is my level of awareness? Where is the, my level of joy? Where is my level of humility? You know, wh- where are my? Th- what are the stream of thoughts that I'm just? Uh, Dealing with at this very moment, and it's, it's it's a constant training that Babaji did for Sri Yukteswar, and he's doing with us as well. But the more we, you know, keep um, training ourselves and staying at that level of consciousness, uh, the bigger the probability that Babaji or other master from mm-hmm. even other line of gurus can use us as well. I mean. These are not just the only five masters you know helping and working. There are many other masters out there and also from other planes that that are supporting one another. I mean, these guys work as as a team and and the important thing here is that keep double checking your level of awareness, your level of joy, your thoughts, your attitude, because That will depend whether Babaji comes to your life or leave you a little bit by yourself until you put yourself back together into the right consciousness.
0: Of course, one little thing from this paragraph that uh, is just obvious to mention is just how in that moment it was all set. Babaji knew who he was sending to Swami Sri Ji to bring about this shift, this change, to carry the teachings of Sanatan Dharma, of yoga to the West. And isn't is it fascinating that we're actually seeing history unfold here? Mm-hmm. We wouldn't even know that this existed. We would have just assumed this is what happened, it was accidental, it's random, it's just all... Every part of it has been planned, laid out by the masters. You are a part of that plan. You know, don't get too confused whether there should be free will or this is all predestined or not. But you're part of that plan. They can encourage you and then like Sri Ji, you can choose to follow the plan or not. But there is a plan and you're part of it. And somewhere, Babaji met with somebody and said, Huh, let's send that person to Mumbai. Let's give him that job. Let's get him married to this person. Let's send this soul to be born in this particular family. Can you think about how much he loves you? That he is trying his absolute best to give us just the right circumstances. So that if we get it, as Narayani said, it takes us a little longer. Babaji just had to tell Sri Yukteswar, you know what, don't judge people. Sri Yukteswar, okay, done. Never again am I ever going to judge anybody. We take a little while longer. A
1: few incarnations.
0: Or more. (laughs) Who knows? Who's counting anymore? But we could also, at least if nothing else, say, okay. You know, straighten the spine a little bit. Okay. And, I don't know, just make life more joyful. Not so heavy and not so, I have to get this self-realization thing figured out. You know, joy, humility, love. Really, that's... That's all that it takes for everything to work in our favour.
1: Didn't Sri Yateshwar said that the spiritual path is the funeral of all sorrows? The funeral of
0: all sorrows, yeah. So if you're still in sorrow, <laughs> that means you're not on the spiritual path. You know, we've not fully established ourselves on the path if there is still sorrow in our hearts. And that's another thing to think about. How firmly are you, in fact, on the path to self-realisation? Sorrow should not be able to touch us. And these are the ways we need to figure out. We're going to have swami Jaya soon and he's going to give a satsang on the signs of spiritual progress.